Even though we have been on break for a while, there is no off-season for Major League Soccer. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. It's been so long. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people thought we'd never have the show again, and, and I think some people thought that I actually killed you in Kansas City <laughs> when we finally met for the first time, but I'd just like everyone to know Garrett and I did meet finally, and we had a great time. We hit it off. It was great. And uh, unfortunately, the past week or so, it's almost two weeks now, it's it's been like we've been cursed. Like everything that can go wrong to keep us from having a show has happened, and our schedules didn't work out, and technical difficulties, but we're finally back, and we're ready to rock. Yeah, the box broke, or there was no internet connection. I, my favorite tabloid rumor was that there was a lover's quarrel between you and I. <laughs> yeah right. I, I mean, it it, it 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 was funny. It was it was great to finally meet Garrett, and Garrett's a cool guy, and uh, he's even cooler in person. He is not a midget, by the way, for everyone that was wondering. Thank you. And he also is not a ginger. He is not. Uh, you know, there were some questions about that. That maybe he was. <laughs> That's because you know, that was Franco. Franco is feeding you false information. Right, right. And uh, although there is still some question about whether or not Garrett is Alexi Lalas's love child, they had they did meet. I did introduce them in uh, in Kansas City at MLS Cup, and we got a nice picture of the two. And uh, you know, I, I believe I believe Garrett uh, brought up the whole idea of, of whether or not uh, maybe he was his love child, and Alexi wasn't so sure. He he, he wasn't sure. So we're still trying to figure that out. That was one of the highlights of that bumpy pitch party. Is I told Alexi I was like, you know, the joke on the show is I'm your I'm your love child, and Alexi looks at me, he's like, how old are you? I was like, I'm 26. He's like, when were you born? I was like, Philadelphia in 1987. Then he jokingly pauses and goes, huh, was I in Philadelphia in 1987? <laughs> there you go. So you know what? They, 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 they kind of look alike. They kind of do They kind of do look alike. So anyone who's, who wonders about that, I think I put the picture up on Instagram so you can uh, you can look for yourself and, and tell me what you think. Yeah, not, not a ginger. So I'm glad we confirmed that. That makes me really happy. Well, Ivis, uh, we have tons to talk about since we haven't had a show in two weeks. And I always say we have tons to talk about, but literally... We have tons to talk about on this show. We, we've been talking for weeks and for months about how as soon as the MLS Cup is done, Major League Soccer doesn't stop. It keeps going. I mean, that's the way it's now. It's now 12, a 12-month 12 sport throughout the year. It's, it's awesome. Talk about big moves, though, Ivis. Some teams have been extraordinarily busy, none other than D.C. United, who have added almost a whole team at this point, Ivis, with Fabian Espindola, David Arnaud, Sean Franklin, Bobby Boswell, and Eddie Johnson. I mean, Ivis, D.C., it's amazing to see what they've done so far through this offseason. Well, I'll tell you what, no one should really be surprised. I mean, I said it after they won the U.S. Open Cup uh, that, you know, they were a team that was poised to really transform themselves in the offseason, and they've taken full advantage, and they're not even done yet. You know, they, they, they've added half a team, actually, half the starting lineup. When you think about Eddie Johnson and Fabian Espindola up top, Davey Arnault in the middle, Sean Franklin and Bobby Boswell in the back line, and they still have the number one pick in the draft, and they still have, uh, I believe, some money to go spend on the international market. So uh, some great moves for them. Uh, does it mean that they're going to go from a three-win team to a title contender? I won't go that far just yet, but they, they've definitely taken steps in the right direction. I know some people questioned uh, some of the moves based on money and age when you talk about guys like Arnaud and, and Bobby Boswell. But I'd say this, when you talk about salary cap and the like, when you have a team like D.C. United that had a lot of money to spend under the cap, you don't worry about nickel and diming the cap situation. You worry about giving yourself some veteran players who can help your team on the field and help your team in the locker room. And Davey Arnaud and Bob Boswell, say what you want about age, but those are two guys who can play, and those are two guys who will give you really good locker room presence. And that team needs that. That's a young team that I think lacked some veteran leadership on that squad last year. Now they've got those guys, and it's going to be interesting to see how Ben Olsen puts that all together. You're exactly right. I mean, now it gives D.C. some depth. I mean, when you look at the pieces that they're bringing back, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but, I mean, Nick DeLeon, Perry Kitchen, Luis Silva. I thought Connor Doyle looked pretty good at the end of last season. So, I mean, Ivis, like you said, D.C., are they going to be a contender title team? Probably not, but realistically, though, Ivis, with these additions, and, I mean, obviously other teams had to make some, but, I mean, could you see D.C. maybe, like, sniffing the playoff race or maybe kind of being in it at the end? I think so. I think they, you have to consider that. Uh, I think they, they, they. I don't think they were as bad as their record indicated last year. I mean, I think things, a lot of things really went went wrong for them. I think getting Chris Pontius healthy, having Nick DeLeon find his rookie form. Uh, I think a few of those things need to happen for them. But I think that U.S. Open Cup run helped show us that you know what, there's still some quality there. 
And now with these additions, uh, they've got a nice foundation to go for, to, to build on. They still have to go add some more pieces. I mean, I think they, you know, when you want to talk about the international market, if you want to be a legitimate contender in this league, you have to take advantage of the international market. You have to get some home runs on that market. And DC United, there's no other way to say it. They've failed pretty miserably on the international market the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm among many people who are surprised that Dave Casper still has a job. But give him credit, he's done some, he's made some nice moves so far this offseason. But he has to go and, and make some signings, some impact signings on the international market to get them over the top. Uh, quickly also, D- uh, DC United is going to be playing in the CONCACAF Champions League. Is this a roster, Ivis, do you think that compete in bo- can can compete in both? That's a tough one. I don't know if they have the depth. But again, it's still not, they're still not done. I mean, they have the number one pick in the draft, which they could go, they could trade away. They could use to, they, they could keep, uh, you know, I know a lot of people think they're going to take Patrick Mullins there. I, in my opinion, I would be highly surprised they took Patrick Mullins with number one pick in the draft. Or anyone who has that pick would take Mullins. I think Christian Dean, the Cal defender, is the consensus number one pick. Uh, but you know what? They have that. They still have some money. Uh, and the international market's there for the taking. So they, Dave Castro, Ben Olsen, they have to they have to make some signings. You know, go get someone like Jose Gonzalez, Diego Valeri, like the guys who really were huge hits as newcomers into the league. And I think DC United, you know, as we've seen last few years, they've really missed the boat on, on signings. They got to get it done on the international market. Uh, moving over to, I think that's actually the most we've ever talked about DC United, Ivis, on this show. It's a new, it's a new, it's a new day. Oh it's my a new day. God, I know what is happening. Uh, moving over to another team that has been not as busy as DC United, but they were involved in a trade with DC United. That's the Seattle Sounders. Uh, Mario Rosales is out. Steve Zakawani is out. Kenny Cooper's coming in. Chad Marshall's uh, also in. Uh, Stephen Fry is in. I mean, I have a Seattle Sounders overhauling the roster with some major moves here. Right. It's another team that, you know, we knew they were going to have to make some changes. And once uh, once Siggy Schmidt was able to keep his job, you knew he was going to go and have to tear up that roster. And not not be, not just because they, they underachieved and they fell short of expectations, but because their salary cap was a mess. They had no choice but to shed some salary cap. And it was a bit of a tough situation for them because they not only had to shed cap, uh, shed salary cap, they also had to try to improve in certain areas. And they, and you know what? I'll give them credit. I'll give Adrian Hanauer and Siggy Schmidt credit. They made some moves that accomplished both those goals. You know, they obviously, you know, you, we knew they were going to get rid of Mar Rosales. That, that, the writing was on the wall yeah. there for months. Uh, Steve Zakawani, you kind of had an idea that we're going to get rid of him. Lamar Nagel, uh, his rapid rise made that, made that, made Zakawani expendable. Uh, Eddie Johnson, every, we all knew. We all knew for months. Well, we all knew pretty much when Osvaldo Alonso got his new contract that Eddie Johnson was done there. So for them to uh, to get all the dominoes to fall, they get rid of all those guys, and they're able to go get a Chad Marshall, a Stephen Fry, Kenny Cooper, Tristan Bowen. I mean, I think that that, that group of signings really fits in well for them gives them some depth and and gives them some quality and obviously you know those guys have to perform but you know for me I, I like what they added I mean Chad Marshall gives them toughness in the back something they definitely lacked last year Stefan Fry for me it, I think he could end up being the biggest signing of them all because for me when he's healthy the guy can be one of the best goalkeepers in the league uh, he has that kind of talent people didn't see it in Toronto he played behind a terrible defense he obviously got injured there but I think he's a guy who could be kind of a breakout player for them. Uh, the uh, the one thing about Seattle that I, I do find interesting, I mean, you're right. Lamar Nagel had an excellent season, which kind of moves Zakawani out. But I think Zaku, I mean, I think all of Lamar Nagel's goals when he was playing up top. So I, you wonder if Seattle's maybe going to go out and get a left mid or a kind of winger to, to complement him over there. I'm curious. I'm curious to see if, if they'll do something about that, Ivis. Well, I think Lamar Nagel can play can play wide. You, if you think about a, a lineup for them, uh, you know, if they decide to go four three three. I mean, they could go four three three with uh, with Clint Dempsey, Obafemi Martins, and Kenny Cooper as the as the three forwards. Or if you just play two forwards, you could play Lamar Nagel on the left, Brad Evans on the right. So they have options. They have, and that's the thing. Like for all the moves they made, they were still working from a pretty good nucleus. When you talk about Dempsey, Obafemi Martins, Brad Evans, mm-hmm. Waldo Alonso, Lamar Nagel, that's still a great uh, a group right there. And then obviously someone like Andy Rose, who who I, who I really rate as a player, and who I think has has earned more minutes over time. They, right now, the way their team's constituted, they need some guys to have good years. Then they need Kenny Cooper to score ten plus goals. They need Chad Marshall to 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 be a quality center back, uh, a leader for them. Stay healthy. Hopefully, avoid concussions, which is something that's been an issue for him. 
Uh, and they need Stephen Fry to step up. And if they, if those things happen, they're right there in the conversation as far as a, a title contender. Uh, I have numbers to back up uh, my, my statement about Lamar Nagel. I, lo- I looked it up, Ivis, while you were talking. Uh, at left mid, he had just over one shot per game. But at up top at forward, he had close to four shots per game. Interesting, well, huh? I know. I, I know. I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm just. Stats saying. can say anything. But I'm I tell you saying. what, it's a it's a different group of guys that they, they that he's going to be playing around, and he's not going to start up top generally. I mean, I guess you could start him up top, but then what do you do with Kenny Cooper? I think they brought Kenny Cooper into play. You know, say what you want about Cooper, he's definitely inconsistent. He's someone who's up and down. But when he's on a team with talent, when he's on a team with playmakers, the guy puts the goals in the net. He did it with the Red Bulls. Uh, you know, Terry Henry set him up left and right, and he scored, you know, 18-plus goals. Uh, I think on that Seattle team with Dempsey and Obafemi Martins and Brad Evans, Lamar Nagel around him, Kenny Cooper, I think, could have a good year. Uh, now that we talked about D.C. and the Seattle Sounders, uh, and arguably one of the biggest moves this season, something that that I, I think we all kind of saw happening, Eddie Johnson moves over to D.C. United. When you look at this trade, Ivis, you know, flash forward, who got the better end of this deal? Well, it, it, here's the thing. I think both teams got what they wanted. And I know a lot of people will say, well, we don't know the exact amount of the allocation money, so how do we really tell? But you know what? There's, so, there's, only, certain, there's only a certain amount of allocation money that, that can be involved in a trade like that. So it's not like, there's a mil- it's not like it was a million dollars in allocation money. That doesn't happen. So, But having said that, I think Seattle got what they wanted. Um, well, they got what they needed. Because from what I understand, from what, I, what sources have told me, multiple sources from, from uh, various teams – Seattle obviously set out with a pretty high bar or a pretty high price tag for Eddie Johnson. They shopped them around. I think they wanted a package of allocation money and either a player and draft picks. I don't think anybody was going for that high price, and, and, and a lot of teams turned that down. And then they found a suitor in D.C. United who had a, obviously more uh, allocation money than anyone in the league because they had their missing the playoff allocation money, and they also had – their U.S. Open Cup money that's going to come for them for for being a team that's playing in the Concacaf Champions League, uh, so it was so it, it was a perfect kind of a marriage there. You know, the DC United had the allocation money, and DC United had a need for a forward, and now Eddie Johnson goes there, and I tell you what, I think he could do well there, but at the same time, I have some questions about how he fits in with that group. He's a player who, through the years, when he's done well on MLS, he's done well on teams that have been able to provide him with service. And DC United isn't necessarily a team that that provides service. It's not a team that's built to provide service. I mean, Chris Pontius, uh, Chris Pontius and Nick DeLeon are guys that really like to go at people. They can combine. They can do their own thing. But are they going to send crosses into Eddie Johnson? I don't know if that's going to happen. Luis Silva, I think, is going to be a big key for them. Uh, he really has to uh, take hold of that playmaker role. And if he can play well and he and he can be kind of a breakout playmaker for them, then Eddie Johnson, you can get the most out of him. Staying in the Cascadia region, Ivis, let's move down to Portland. Former Seattle Sounders Z- Steve Zakawani is now a member of the Portland Timbers. He also broke some news on another player. I won't steal your thunder because I've been doing it all show. So, Ivis, the latest on Portland. Well, it's not. The thing is, this would have been this would have been breaking news back when we tried to do this show like three or four times. No, ago. what are you talking about? The people who listen to the show don't read news. This is the only place they get their news from, Ivis. If only that were true. If only that were true. Well, here's the thing with Portland, right? They they pulled off a pretty shrewd uh, set of maneuvers here because uh, what was not known at the time, and for for those of you who can remember, when Portland lost to Real Salt Lake. In the playoffs, Rodney Wallace was injured. He left. He had to leave the second leg of that game hurt, and no one knew what happened. And it, as it turned out, he had a torn ACL. He suffered a torn ACL in that match, and that really put Portland in a bind because, you know, he really uh, established himself as an impact player on the left wing for them. Now, they did a good job. They kept that under wraps. They kept it a secret, and then they set their sights on Steve Zakawani. As you all know, or as some of you might you should know, Caleb Porter coached Steve Zakwani in college at Akron. He rates him highly as a player, and he saw the opportunity to get him in the uh, in the reentry draft, and he and he snatched him up. And uh, you know you have to give uh, you have to give Portland credit; they were able to go get a player in Zakwani. I know he has yet to be a full time player since the broken leg, and we don't know what he can give you. But if there's someone who can get the most out of Zakwani, it's Caleb Porter. Caleb Porter knows Zakwani well. Zakwani is perfectly suited to uh, a for Portland's four three three system. With his speed, if he can get back close to what he used to be, 
him on the left wing, I mean, that that's going to give you some great options until Ronnie Wallace is back. And Ronnie Wallace is going to be out at least half the season with the torn ACL. So I, th- I think that was a shrewd move for them. Another move Portland made that I think su- might have surprised some people, but definitely shouldn't have surprised people. They traded Andrew John Baptiste, the, the young center back. They traded him to Chivas USA. And some people might wonder why exactly they made that trade. And, it, and, it, and when it boils down to is he didn't really fit the system that Caleb Porter wants to play. Caleb Porter really wants a possession-based system. Andrew Job and Baptiste isn't really that kind of possession center back. He, the Timbers want a center back who can distribute out of the back. Someone like a Matt Beesler, who obviously everyone sees. He He's so big to what Sporting KC does. And I think right now Portland's on that market looking for someone like that on the international market. They're looking for a center back as well as a forward. Uh, you know, they got they got rid of Ryan Johnson as well. So Portland, even though they had this amazing season, they're clearly not done uh, uh, revamping that team. Yeah, this is the one thing that, in, that, that fascinates me about Portland. It's not like they have the depth on their defense to give up. I mean, look, I, I understand that. Uh, Javatiz doesn't fit Caleb Porter's system, but I mean, don't you want that depth there in case you can't go out and get someone? Because when you look at their roster, Ivis, I mean, you remember all the problems they had last year on their back line. Well, I think they, they established themselves with the two center backs that they settled at the end, which is Pam Moduka, who was a great pickup for them. I mean, he's he, he for me was one of the best pickups of the of the season because they absolutely needed someone like him and he stepped in and gave them so much you have him you have footy danzo who i think is going to be the guy that steps aside becomes your third center back uh and so i think i think if you're portland if you can go get yourself a quality quality center back to partner with pamoruka and then you have footy danzo as your third center back you're in pretty good shape there you know i think i think as a trio of center backs depending again who they get and Gavin Wilkinson, you got to give him credit. He went and got Pamo Duka, and no one really knew anything about the guy. And then he came in and he tore it up. He was great. So it, it's it's that, that there's two key needs for them: uh, center back and forward. And and you know Portland has the money. You know Portland's not afraid to spend the money. So I think that's going to bear watching this offseason. Uh, I guess another team that's making some news. I mean, it's good. First off, it's great to see all the teams that are finished, you know, very low, like DC, uh, making a lot of moves because another team. Toronto FC, Ivis. They just added Dwayne De Rosario, who's the all-time franchise leader in goal scored. Toronto FC has also been very active. I mean, and this is huge because we've seen that fan base up in Toronto, what Toronto's able to do for the first couple of years, and it's great to see Toronto this aggressive in the offseason. Right. Well, De Rosario is just one of the moves they've made. Obviously, uh, you know, they went and signed a designated player, a Brazilian, uh, Gilberto, to be a forward for them. Uh, they brought in Jackson from uh, from FC Dallas, and and one of the big signs for me that I was impressed with is they were able to go get Justin Morrow from the San Jose Earthquakes, a guy who can really give you some quality at left back. And they're not done. Uh, Jermaine Defoe is most likely heading to Toronto FC. From all accounts, that's going to go down at some point. He'll be on that team for 2014, and that. And if you're a Toronto FC fan, you got to be pretty excited. You know their 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 team was pretty awful last year, but now when you add and when you take your attack and you can add. Jermaine Defoe, Dwayne Rosario, and if and if their designated player uh, forward can can actually be an impact player, all of a sudden you're talking about a team that that maybe won't be a laughing stock now. Uh, you knew Tim Lewicki when he took charge of that team was going to make some big moves, and 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 you know what? He's getting it done. Uh, I'm excited about Jermaine Defoe. You saw the resentment that came out of some people, like, "Oh, here comes another guy coming over to cash a paycheck." But I think Jermaine Defoe's going to do really well in the league. It's tough to say. I mean, I think he should. I mean, he's got the quality. He's got the pace. Uh, you know, what usually high-level forwards that come in from Europe tend to do well, right? I mean, I think, you know, if if you have either that speed and or that technical quality like a Robbie Keane, it's going to translate well. The center backs in MLS aren't, aren't at that level of, of high-level European defenses. So, you, you know what? He should be able to come here. He should be able to light it up. Again, it comes down to who's going to be providing him the service. You got yourself a Dwayne DiRosario all of a sudden. That Toronto FC team could absolutely be in the playoff conversation. Well, I'm sure the offseason isn't done yet over the next couple weeks leading up to the draft, Ivis. I'm sure there's going to be tons and tons of more news. We'll talk about that. Moving over to the coaching side of things, Ivis. Tons of moves, different manual positions. One of the ones that shouldn't come as a surprise, Jason Christ heads over to NYCFC. Uh, I think that's a great move for him, and it was very fitting what he did for RSL. You know, we've talked about this before. It's a, it's a great move for, for Jason Christ. Right. I mean, I don't think anyone anyone was surprised 
uh, you know, th this was kind of people saw this coming for months uh, back when it was first reported that he was in conversations with them. Uh, the fact that NYCFC targeted him, you, you, you kind of had to like seeing that from from a new club, uh, especially a, a club with European ties like 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 they do with Manchester City, that they saw the value in a coach like Christ to bring him over. And I know there have been I know there were some question marks that back then about why exactly would he leave. But I think a lot of those have been answered now. Jason Christ has done the media circuit now to kind of explain himself. And, it, and it's it's simple. It's really simple. He's done what he can do at, at Real Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he he led them to four, I believe it's four finals. He won one title. He almost won a second title this year. He led them to a Champions League final. Uh, and, and you know what? And, and he did it with a team that didn't have the kind of money to spend that other teams had. I really think he maximized what he could possibly do there. So he, he got that job done, right? And now here comes this opportunity to be to, to, to coach in the biggest market in the world and to coach a team that has clearly has the financial muscle uh, to give him whatever he needs, whatever he wants. And, and it's a big stage. And, and Jason Christ isn't, isn't afraid of challenges. I'm sure he sees that as an unbelievable opportunity for him. Because I'll tell you what, if he does well there, if he does yeah. well in New York, I mean, it, he can write his own ticket. Who knows where he can go from there? Maybe he can be he can be the American who goes over to Europe and, and coaches in a high level league. So you can't. No one can begrudge him. I think at this point, folks and also Laker are kind of. Uh, I don't think I don't think anyone in Real Salt Lake is upset anymore. I think they've all uh, they all understand. Uh, and, and you know what? Now they already have their new coach in place, so it's it's already a new era in Real Salt Lake. Yeah, for for me, I mean, I, I would love to see. Jason do well in New York and then move up to the U.S. men's national team. I think that'd be great. But uh, yeah, as you said, I mean, look, Real Salt Lake gets a guy who's been there since day one with Jason Greif, uh, Jeff Kassar. So, I mean, look, it, it, it's RSL. I mean, Garth Lagerway's there. The fans know they'll, they'll, they'll find the pieces for that franchise. Yeah, I mean, I would say I was a little surprised that Robin Frazier wasn't named the head coach. But to be fair, you know, he stepped away from there for the last few years when he took the job at Chivas USA. So from a, from a continuity standpoint, you could kind of understand why Jeff Kassar was the guy. Uh, you know, he's obviously a great guy, a well-respected coach, uh, beloved, uh, beloved coach by the players there. So it should help uh, offer a smooth transition. And you know what? We're gonna now we're really gonna get a sense of uh, you know what what uh, how how much they're gonna miss Jason Christ. Uh, because again, at the end of the day, Jeff Kassar has not been a head coach before, and that, and you can't ignore that fact. Not to say that there haven't been coaches who have done well in their first job. Obviously, Christ did it. Mike Pecky did it. Uh, so you know that there is some precedent there. But the pressure's on Jeff Kassar. You know he he can't let that that club sink too far. Oh come on, Ivis. You know the trend. The trend is to find some guy out there and and build him up as the next great thing. You know, come on, Ivis. You know this. Well, it doesn't always work out, does it? <laughs> uh, moving over to north of the border, Montreal Impact. Ivis, third new manager in three years. What's going on? I don't know, man. I mean, well, I do know. I mean, it comes down to you have an owner who's a, who's a not you know not not known as the most patient guy, Joey Saputo. And uh, look, Marco Schalabam, I, I can't say he did a terrible job. I mean, he he got them to the playoffs, but you know things kind of fell apart for them. And I think that was tough to stomach for for Saputo, who who's definitely kind of a, a high strung owner who who wants results. He's investing a lot of money. He's paying this money for. For a guy like uh, you know Marco Devio and, and and everything, so I, I I'm sure they want they want results now. They want results yesterday. So when when Shalabam barely gets them into the playoffs, when they crash out in ugly fashion to the Houston Dynamo, as, as for those of you who remember that playoff game where you know multiple players sent off, they they're outclassed by the Dynamo. So that that had to leave a sour taste in in Joy Saputo's mouth. And uh, you know I reported a, a week or so ago that Shalabam was out and it was a little weird you know usually teams when they're they're done with a the coach they announce it hey are this guy's gone we're gonna go find a new guy Montreal was, was not like totally the opposite they like kept it quiet everyone kind of just wondered like what was going on some people thought oh maybe he's gonna stay but obviously he wasn't gonna stay when when things were quiet for this long you kind of had a feeling they were lining something up Montreal goes and gets Frank Klopas a coach that I I like and respect and a coach who I think got a bit of a a raw deal in Chicago because for those of you who don't realize, like with the fire, his last year and change there, he had no he had no real say in the in the personnel decisions there. So 
He pretty much had to coach the team that they gave him. They did get some nice. Uh, they did get Mike McGee, which is a big addition for them. You know, given to them on a silver platter, but a lot of the other moves didn't pan out for them, and, and he paid the price ultimately for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think he'll do well in Montreal. But again, if you're listen, Joey Saputo's got to learn at a certain point. He's got to give a coach time, give him a few, a few years, and I think Lopez will. I think Lopez will get that. From what I understand, he has a good relationship with their general manager, which is obviously why. He ended up being the guy that they chose. So, you know what? If he's given time and he's given, you know, some resources, I think he could absolutely absolutely help Montreal improve. Uh, another team that made a move this month, Vancouver hired, hired Carl Robinson. As we said, I mean, it continues the trend, Ivis, of first-year managers. But this is an interesting one, though. I mean, he played for Toronto FC, played for the New York Red Bulls, also played for the greatest team in the world, Sheffield Wednesday. But that goes without saying. I think Vancouver fans, Ivis, are going to be hoping that Robinson can bring a little stability to the Vancouver Whitecaps this season. Well, I think they'll be happy if it's a, if they have a season where the second half is, isn't yeah. a complete meltdown. I mean, two straight years under Martin Rennie, they get off to good starts, good first halves, and then the second half, everything just completely collapses. So uh, one thing, look, we all get it. Carl Robinson was not the first choice. He wasn't the second choice. I wasn't the third choice. I think if, 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 if you really want to be honest about the guys that, that Vancouver was had their eye on, I'm sure they had their – we all know they had their eye on Bob Bradley. And I think everyone knows they had their eye on, on Jason Christ. And, and, and I'm sure some people are, know that they were looking at Frank Yallop as well before he went and took the, uh, the Chicago fire job. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so they settled on Carl Robinson. You know what? I know that some people are going to have an issue with that and it's already being raised. But you know what? You know who doesn't care about that? Carl Robinson. Carl Robinson does not care that he was the fourth choice, third choice. What he cares is that he's been given an opportunity to coach. Uh, you know, I, I got to know him when he played in New York. Great guy. Very uh, even keeled guy, intelligent guy. He's obviously played at a high level uh, and, and has been a captain uh, in multiple places. Uh, so I think he's a, he's the type of coach who could have success right away. Um, and he has the talent there. That's the yeah, thing. The pieces too, are this there. Vancouver, this Vancouver team has talent. I mean, they have to go help their defense. Their defense, they need some revamping. Getting Jay Demerit back is going to help them, but they still need to go add some more pieces. But the talent is there for them to still be right in the conversation for the playoffs. Uh, so Carl Robinson, you know what? The pressure's on him now. Yeah, and that pressure is going to start in a couple weeks. Guess where, Ivis? In beautiful Arizona for spring training. Cannot wait. Um, we we covered all the Major League Soccer news over the last couple weeks. We got to talk about the MLS Cup final. It was the coldest I've ever been in my entire life. It was miserable. It, it, that it was. I'm still thawing. I think I'm still thawing out. Actually, I'm still sick um, from it. <laughs> I'm serious. I've never been that cold in my life. I mean, how, how do people do it? Well, I'll tell you what. No one told you to go play in the media cup uh, on that on the morning. Dude, of that game. Franco like, is. Dude, I hate Franco. Franco is like, if you don't go, so he forced me to go. I did score the game winning goal, and I, and then Franco equalized, and they won on PKs. It was horrible. I mean, watching Franco win. Ugh. Well, even uh, even funnier than the fact that Garrett Cleverly really played in, in five degree, literally five degree <laughs> weather in a media cup is the, fact that he, is the fact that he was injured and he had to basically limp around all day. <laughs> he, looked, he looked like an old school cowboy limping around like on a wooden leg for like the rest of the day. I, I like, felt so pathetic, man. I, I mean, I'm I'm limping and everyone's like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, oh, "I hurt myself in the media cup." <laughs> He, he looked like he had a peg leg. It was it was hilarious. I, I should have done a little Instagram video. Hey, I, I did rally, though. I rallied, and I did go out with you guys that night, though. So, Yeah, it was a wild night in Kansas City. I wish I could offer details, but uh, it, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good night. Uh, yeah, well, uh, well, we'll get into uh, We'll have this talk after the show, because I, I still haven't told you about after you left. Which, which You did? You know, you told me everything. I know what happened. Oh, I did. Oh, yes. Yeah, if anyone but, wants yeah. to know, just DM me on Twitter. I'll give you all the details. I'll just say that the after party was very interesting. I won't say where it was or whose place it was at, but it was very interesting. Yeah, I should have stayed out with you guys that night. I totally uh, punked out. Definitely. I know. I know. That cl- just the club wasn't my scene, man. You know me, dude. I need a bar with some ugly people, you know, dark. You were, I don't know. I thought, I thought you were doing all right there. But you know what? We'll get into that later. Let's, uh, let's talk about the game. <laughs> uh, yes, the game. Um Heartbreaker for Real Salt Lake Ives to lose two finals, but uh, very very befitting for Sporting Kansas City to win at home. Quite the celebration to win on PKs. And uh, I mean, it, it, look it, for us, it, it was. Kind of, I, I understand some people say it, said on TV that it was a little ugly. I mean, being there in person, Ives, it, it wasn't as ugly to me. But it, you know, it was, it was a pretty good game. And congratulations to uh, Sporting Kansas City. 
Yeah, you know that. I'm glad you mentioned that because I gotta say, man, people sometimes people need to just give it up already with this stuff. Because you know what? <laughs> when it comes to finals, ideally, would it be great if finals were beautiful games always? That'd be great, but it doesn't happen. It's not something that happens regularly. When you get into a situation where you're in a final, you, you get tense defensive standoffs. You get teams that you know what are battling. They don't want to make mistakes. I mean, World Cup finals aren't necessarily beautiful games either, right? So, but does that all is that become a uh, a big knock against the World Cup? No, it, it's you know what it, the game had great drama. Was it uh, a case study in, in in the beautiful game where there were combination play and everything? No, it was like five degrees outside. It was the the, the ground was hard. It was freezing cold. You weren't you weren't going to get a beautiful beautiful game, but it was an exciting game. It was, it was an entertaining game. And I know you know what the ratings the ratings weren't great, but the people that did watch they were entertained. I can't imagine anyone didn't come away from that feeling like you know what it was great theater, great drama. I know the people that were in the stadium uh, while they were being frozen frozen they were definitely being entertained. And and, and all credit to Sporting KC, uh, it could have gone either way. Real Salt Lake put in a valiant effort. They, they hit the post a few times. They easily could have won that game, but Sporting KC. To come back, to come back from a deficit, because you know they were down, and Aurelian Collins scores the equalizer, and then they win in PKs, and Jimmy Nielsen goes out in style. His last game as a professional, his last season, he makes a couple of big penalty kick saves and gets them the title. My mom never watches soccer, and for some reason she watched the cup final, and she's like, "How old is that goalkeeper, Jimmy Nielsen? Is he like fifty years old?" I was like, "No, mom, he just looks really old." It's just the white hair. <laughs> I know, but uh. Yeah, it was it was a good game. I mean, it, unfortunately, Robbie Finley had another Robbie Finley moment and missed from two yards out. I don't even know how that happened, to be <laughs> honest with you. But, you know, it was a good back and forth. Uh, you know, it took me a few days to feel my feet again, but it, it was good. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, you know what, they you got to give them the credit. Uh, but for Real Salt Lake, look, the year that they had and the run that they had on Jason Christ, I think, I think we need to take a minute and think about the years that they've had. And I know some people will say, hey, you know what, they underachieved. They only won one trophy. They should have won more trophies. But you know what? It's You still have to give them credit for playing some great, great soccer for a good long time. We're talking about a good five-year run uh, from 2009 to now, four-year run from 2009 to now, where they just, you know, they play, they, you know, even though they didn't spend huge money, they were still able to play attractive soccer, entertaining soccer. You know, some of the, are you can argue the best soccer that this league has seen for the past few years. Mm-hmm. And, it you kind of it definitely feels like it's a, it's the end of an era now that Jason Christ is leaving, but uh, you know what? Yeah, you, you got to stand up and applaud them because I think they've helped uh, raise the level of play in the league over these last years. And do they not? They don't have the trophies to show for it, but I still think. And anyone who watched them regularly will remember the quality of the soccer that they played. Yeah, and for Real Salt Lake, I mean, the majority of their core is coming back next year. It's quite interesting, though, because when you look at Sporting Kansas City, they're going to need a new goalkeeper next year. They're going to have to fill a couple pieces. I mean, Sporting Kansas City is going to have to be, they haven't been active in this offseason yet, Ivis, but they're going to have to start picking up some steam here. Well, I think both teams are, are going to have to tinker a bit. Uh, you know, Real Salt Lake is going to bring back most of their guys, but. You know, I, I don't think they can stand pat. For Sporting KC, obviously you lose Jimmy Nielsen. That's a big loss. They could lose Chance Myers, who, who's a free agent now. He's, his contract's run out. Uh, Dom Dwyer is, 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 is lining up alone to England uh, by all accounts, and, and maybe he's someone who leaves and doesn't come back. Uh, so there's definitely going to be some question marks there for, uh, for Peter Vermees to answer. Uh, you got a guy like Claudio Beeler, who Vermees, you know, insisted after the game, after the final, is going to come back. Uh, but he, even though he didn't seem all too happy about not playing much, uh, but of course he plays in the final though. Well, he played, but he didn't. He didn't start. But I mean, he played a little bit. So you know what? There's some questions there, but they're 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 a deep team. They're a strong team. I mean, even if even Aurelian Collin is someone who's being uh, rumored or hinted that maybe he could go to Europe, go back to Europe now, and you know leave a champion. Uh, but it's it's going to test that that system that Casey has. I mean, they have some good depth. They've done a good job of building that roster. And that's that's the thing in MLS. When when you once you become a champion, the clock is ticking on you to 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 keep a team together, to to have to rebuild and revamp and and reload. And again, that's another reason you want to give Real Salt Lake credit for what they did for five years, four or five years now, to play it at such a high level for that long is not easy in MLS. And yes, they only got one trophy out of it, but they still made two MLS Cup finals, one U.S. Open Cup final, one Champions League final. 
that's nothing to sneeze at. Well, Ivis, you just mentioned Dom Dwyer going on loan over to Europe. A couple other guys in Major League Soccer are, and a lot of guys could benefit from it. The biggest one, though, I mean, imagine this. Clint Dempsey going back to Fulham after that horrible exit last year. Uh, I mean, is this... What do you make of this move, Ivis? Because, I mean, it definitely looks like he was very tired at the end of the season with the Sounders. I got to say, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the move. I'm not a fan of the move, and here's why. And it's not, and I don't, it's not really about fatigue because, you know what, he's had about six weeks now of rest. You know, the, the Seattle season ended early. The playoffs, uh, they were not, they were knocked out in the conference semis. So he's had more than a month now. He's had six weeks of rest. So I understand it from the standpoint of you don't want to have too much more than that of a break. So you want to give him two months of high level play in the Premier League. I get that. I don't have a problem with that. I see the value in that. Having said that, we're still talking about a guy who is still new to his team. His, he's still new to the Seattle Sounders. Now he's not going to get that preseason with them. Now he's going to spend two months in England. Then he's got to come back to the to the to MLS and hit the ground running. And and, I, and that's the the question there is what's the what's the value of a preseason with a team and getting to know your your teammates and get and getting that building that familiarity. And I think that's. That's the question. Is that is that more valuable, or is it more valuable to be playing at a high level and come back and hit the ground running? I, you could go either way with that. So I just have that question of what, what would he be? Would he have been better served to come to stay with to stay with the Sounders, go through their entire preseason, build that that camaraderie, that familiarity with the guys he's going to actually play with this season, or is he better off going to Fulham? Uh, jumping in there to a group of guys he doesn't know because he's he, again he's it's been two years now since he was at Fulham. Uh, he has to jump in there, try to get minutes, play for a coach he's never played for before, and then come in and rejoin the Sounders right at the start of the of the next season. So I, I don't think it's much. I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk as maybe some people think it is. I think there are some questions about whether or not he might have been better off staying. I don't. I don't think it's a good move either. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't get what what he's doing. Is he trying to prove something? Just, this, this the whole thing just seems bizarre, Ivis. I mean, I could get it. I mean, he want. You know what? There's nothing wrong playing in the Premier League. I mean, it's still playing at a high level. Uh, you know what? I'm sure he's going to get paid well to do it. Uh, and you know what? He has a connection with Fulham, right? I mean, he might. When he left, it wasn't on the greatest of terms. But again, that was the manager at the time, Martin Yole. Didn't want him to leave. You know, they, they, there, was, there was a lot of issues there, but it, I really feel like Martin Yule was kind of the main, the main bad guy in that equation for mm-hmm. Dempsey. Martin Yule's gone. Fulham is still Fulham. I'm sure he has a lot of love for Fulham. I mean, the guy spent how many years? Five, six years there. That it's a club that's near and dear to his heart. So you can you can't you you can totally get why he'd want to go back, help them out, help help them climb up the up the up the uh, Premier League standings. You, I, I get that. I get that. My mm-hmm. thing is just. I just wonder if if I wonder what it's going to mean for the Sounders that he doesn't get that preseason with his team. That's that's my only question. Uh, when you look at the rest of the league, though, I have some guys, as we just said, Dom Dwyer. I mean, who who are some other guys that could really benefit from a loan, from a short term loan over to Europe? Well, I think uh, it's funny. I had this conversation with, with uh, Matt Beesler after the MLS Cup final. And, Ooh, breaking and, you know, news right here. Bum, bum, no, bum, no, bum. no, no, no. See, it's totally missing the point. <laughs> See, thanks. Thanks. Way to false alarm it for everybody. <laughs> no, so the conversation was how it's much easier for attacking players to go and do these kind of short-term loans than it is for, say, a center back or a defender. Because, you know, when you're a defender, you got to really, really learn your teammates. you got to learn the tendencies how how the group plays together. As an attacking player, you can pretty much get dropped in. You know, if you know how to play, you know how to play. You can you can you can build that 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 kind of familiarity pretty quickly. Uh, and I know some people will say, hey, well then Clint Dempsey can do that with Seattle, so he doesn't need the preseason. I get that. I still have questions about that. But it's much easier for an attacking player to go in, get dropped in, and contribute in, in, in than a, a defender. And from that standpoint, I think Graham Zusi is someone who's more likely to go on a short-term loan. And, and, you know, I asked Graham about that. I asked Zussi about that after the final as well. And, and it, it still was something that was a bit up in the air. Uh, he's in Hawaii right now, so he's not he's not close to to, to, to coming back. Um, so I think that – that, but he is a player who I think you send him off to a higher-level league, I think he can contribute, he can help, he can show what he can do on that higher level. And I think he's a player – it's funny – He's a player who who's a bit of a uh, polarizing figure because there, there, there's some people who love him 
There's some people who hate him. Some people, or not hate him, but just don't rate him as a player. Don't think he can contribute to the national team. Don't think he can play at a high level. And I don't. I'm, I'm not one of those people. I think he actually can can contribute at a higher level. I think he's shown this year at times uh, with the national team that he can do that. So for me, I'd love to see Grimsby go to Europe, go to England somewhere, and and get a chance to get some minutes in, at a higher level. I think that'd be great uh, for him to show what he can do. So he's a player that comes to mind. Uh, how about you? You got any guys you'd like to see over there? Uh, I haven't really thought about it. Thanks for putting me on the spot. <laughs> well, hey, you ask me. You ask me all the time. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I mean, like, I think Louis Gill would uh, would benefit from move over there. I, I'd like yeah. to see some younger guys going over there. Well, t- well, funny you mention Louis Gill because hey, what about January camp for him? You know, so that's, that's, that's true. One, that's something that uh, is going to bear watching. Yeah, but see, okay, but here, here, that that brings up the question though. What's more beneficial to him and to some younger guys? I mean, realistically, I was. What are the chances that they're going to make the World Cup? What's the point of calling them into January camp? That then they should go on loan. Well, I think if there's a loan option, I think the loan will be the way to go. But uh, you know what? It's, 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 what? it's curious. Some guys are some guys are going to have a difficult decision with that. I think past World Cups, we've seen it in past World Cups that you know what? There's always one or two surprises. There's always one or two guy players who kind of break through and and and, and are. Uh, I mean, you, know, you, you go back to the 2002 World Cup. I mean, how many people would have had Demarcus Beasley on the 2002 World Cup team, let alone starting and making an impact? So from that standpoint, you can't just write it off. And I'm, again, I'm not saying Luis Gill is going to be on the World Cup team, but you can't, you know, you, you have to take a look at these guys. And Luis Gill is a, a player who Klinsman has yet to take a look at. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's just that's just one name as an example. Yeah, there, well, yeah, there, there's a lot of other guys. Um, well, I was talking about Europe and guys over there. There's still a lot of Americans already in Europe. A lot of guys continuing to do well. Aaron Johansson, Ivis, I mean, he brace on Wednesday. I mean, he he just his season has been amazing for Azad this year. He's he's continues to tear it up, and and you know I've been saying it for a few shows now. Uh, he's a guy who I think is growing into a player who ha- you got to get on the field at the World Cup, and uh, he's gaining confidence. And uh, you know, I know some people always snicker at the goals in the Dutch league, and they think anybody and their mother could score ten goals in the Dutch league. But you know what? He's getting it done. He's one of the top scorers in the Dutch league at a, at a very young age. So, you know what? Uh, at this point, I know people say, "Oh, let's get him a move. Let's get him a move." And you know what? No, leave him at Azed. Let let him continue to ride this wave of confidence into the World Cup, and then you know what? If he tears it up at the World Cup, he can name he can name his price. Azed can name their price this summer at the transfer window. Um, I, I I hate that argument that people make right there. Oh, it's a Dutch league; you can score goals. Yeah, if it's that easy to score goals, then why aren't you playing professional? I I, I hate that argument that people make. It's not easy uh, scoring goals. Some other guys, Ivis, Tim Howard, and Everton, right in the thick of things for the Champions League. Uh, I mean, Everton's having an outstanding season, and Howard is having one of his best year most having having an outst- one of his best years in recent years. I, I worded that horribly. You, you know what? It's not a stretch to say this could be his best. The best he could be having what what you can argue is the best. Year he's ever had, and as we all know, goalkeepers get better with age. And I just think it's funny that just last year, oh yeah, um, eight months ago, nine months ago, people were throwing dirt on him already. They wanted to bury him. They wanted to say he's washed up, and uh, you know maybe he's past it. Is it time for Brad Guzan to be the guy? You know what, folks, take it easy. Guys played at a high level. You know what? He might have some hiccups, but he's still a quality player. And right now, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. You can argue he's playing some of the best soccer in the world at the goalkeeper position. I mean, Everton hasn't lost in nine games. They're four points out of first place in the Premier League, which is crazy to think about. You know, a club like Everton, compared to some of the other big spending teams in England, I mean, they're 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 really doing well, and he's a major, major part of that success. Yeah, and hopefully they can knock Arsenal off the top spot. Clearly pissed off all those people. Uh, I was moving over to the manager, Jurgen Klinsmann, signed a four-year contract extension. I think it's obvious for what he's been able to do with this U.S. men's national team, taking them to the next level. Your thoughts on the deal? Well, I I wrote about it for Gold.com last week. Uh, I just think it's a weird move. I personally think, look, yes, has he done well as a manager for the U.S. for the last couple of years? Yes. You know what? He was hired. He was hired to help this team achieve success at the World Cup. He has not done that yet. So why would you give the guy a whole another four years before he's even taken on the main task that he's been hired for? Uh, and, and here's my thing. I like nothing, this is nothing against Clemson. Like if you're Jurgen Clemson, you get you get what you can get. If you can get a hundred ten year deal, you get a ten year deal. He's got he's going to get what he can get. It, my issue is more with U.S. soccer, 
and them pretty much giving him whatever he wants. Give, you're just bending over backwards, throwing everything at him. I know there's questions about, oh, well, he could leave. There's other jobs he could he could take. And, 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 and my thing is this. He's not leaving before the World Cup, folks. I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. And you know what? If he's someone that would do that, you don't want him as a coach anyway, right? So if the concern isn't about leaving before the World Cup and the concern is about leaving after the World Cup, here's my thing. If he Let's just say Jurgen Klinsmann does a great job, right? Let's say the U.S. survives the group of death, gets out, gets to the next round, has a nice run, has a great World Cup. If Jurgen Klinsmann leads this U.S. team to a great World Cup, A, uh, will will he want to leave, or will he want to keep building on that? B. If he were to leave, you'd have your you have you'd have your pick of coaches to to choose from to come take over the job. Because you know what? Who would not want the job of coaching a U.S. team that just had a great World Cup, that has a nice generation of talent coming up, that obviously has the money to spend? Like, who would not want that job? So my thing is this: It's like what what exactly was the point of the deal? And you know what? I'm not saying Aaron Cleveland's a bad coach. He's a good coach. He's done a good job. I just don't get it. I just don't get why you had to do it. You didn't. And you know what? You didn't have to do it. I know they'll disagree. I know they'll say, you know what? We were is a preemptive move. We wanted to reward him for his success that he's had, and we wanted to lock him up going forward for the future. I don't. I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't. I, I disagree with it completely. Because you know what? When you when you think look at it this way, right? You you can say what you want about the success of the past year or two. But was his past year or so all that more, all that more successful than, than the first couple of years of the Bob Bradley era when he won a he won a gold cup he got to a Confederations Cup final he won the he won the the Concacaf qualifying cycle finished first uh, with games with three games to spare w- w- was there a race to give him an extension before he even coached a World Cup game no there wasn't so and I and I get it right there there is clearly not as much demand. There was not as much demand for Bob Bradley on the open international market than there is for Klinsman. I get that. I get that. But having said that, I just don't think they needed to give him a, a, another four years. They, I, I think it was premature. I, I just I just think when it comes down to it, and, and my, the analogy I gave in my piece, my, my goal at comp piece, is like, it, it, you know, U.S. soccer is like the boyfriend who's, who's, who's you know, hitting, you know, who's got a girlfriend who's way out of his class, and he pretty much does what he, whatever she wants because he's afraid of losing her. And you know what? At a certain point, U.S. Soccer's got to get to that point where they're like, you know what? We are, a, we are a top federation. We're a top national team. We have to be able to go into these negotiations with some, with with some backbone, with with some ability to not give away the house. And I feel like that's what they did. Not only did they give the guy a four-year deal, they named him technical director. So it's like, here, here, take everything you want. Oh, do you want another job title? Here, take that too. Do you want, you want, you want my watch? Take my watch. How about my car? You want my car? So that, that's my thing. I think they 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 did they gave away way too much when they didn't have to. Does it? What does this mean in the long term? I don't think it's like this. You know what? This is the question. If the U.S. fails or struggle or falls apart at the World Cup, then what do you do? What if they get blown out in three games? What do you do? You got a guy on the hook for five years. You know what I mean? Like that's that I, I, that I'm not saying they're gonna. I've already gone on record. I think the U.S. Is, yeah. You know, I think the U.S. is gonna have a good World Cup, but I just think. I don't think they had to do this. Well, you, you, I mean, you mentioned that they hired Jurgen to win World Cup games. I mean, you look at the draw here. Rapid reaction, Ivis, is that their group is one of the toughest, toughest ones with Germany, Portugal, and Ghana. But, I mean, you and I have talked. I mean, unfortunately, we didn't have a show because we, 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 Ivis and I recorded a show in Kansas City. We talked about this, but something we, happened and we couldn't we've post it. Done, we, we've actually recorded two shows. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the World Cup I feel, draw. I feel like we keep but talking neither, about this. Neither of them has, have aired. So I feel like we've already talked about the World Cup draw multiple <laughs> times, but it, it actually hasn't hit the public yet. So yeah. we'll try it one more time. The You and I both agree that I say bring on this group. I'm sick and tired of the U.S. fans. are like, oh, well, we're in a tough group. And we're gonna... No, this is not the same U.S. men's national team that goes on the road and doesn't perform well. I, was, I say bring it on. I know you agree with me on that. Right. I, I, I'd say... Look, when it comes down to it, this U.S. team, you can argue, is the deepest team. It should be the deepest team ever. It, it is arguably the best team ever. Uh, so, you know what? They have the, they have the players to, to get out of, this, out of this very tough group. And I know some people might, might, might not see it that way, or they might not see the U.S. team in that light at the moment. But you know what? You also have to remember the fact you didn't really see the full-strength U.S. team at the end of this year because they qualified early. So they obviously trotted out a team that wasn't as strong. Uh, for the last few games, but I mean, I would just say go think back to the summer and how good the team looked in the summer in June and those June qualifiers, and think about young players like Aaron Johansson, Mixed Iskarud, 
who are really coming along. I mean, th- this team has the quality to do well. And is it a tough group? It's a very tough group. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, you know, if that if for those of you who listen to the show, if that group sounded familiar to you, it should sound familiar to you because I actually mentioned that very exact group before the draw, for those of you who remember. Do you remember that, Garrett? Uh, yes, it sounded something like this. And that's exactly why you listen to this show. Look at Ibis's extent to his insider information accurately predicted the U.S. Men's National Team group. Can't find that anywhere else. Can't find the sources that Ibis has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was called a blind squirrel finding a nut. But look, I'll tell you what. It, 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 the, it's a great group, great storylines. I mean, and that was kind of one of the, the reasons why I came up with that particular threesome is because each one of those teams has amazing storylines tied into the U.S., uh, when you talk about Germany with all the German-Americans and Klinsmann, Ghana with the history of the losses in the World Cup, Portugal, when you want to talk about revenge for the 2002 World Cup, Cristiano Ronaldo going up against the USA. So these are great storylines. Game From a game standpoint, and I would say this, like I think the way the games are lined up are is very advantageous for the U.S. Because if, if you were to ask Jürgen Klinsmann how he would like to play these games in what order, they would be in the order that they're in. You want to face Ghana first because that you you can argue they're the weakest opponent. They're the weakest opponent out of the group. Uh, and then if you want to get who you who do you want to get second? You want to get Portugal second. You want to get Germany third because they could they could be through by then. If they get two wins and they're through to the next round, they will absolutely rest their starters. You have to. The way the World Cup set up, the schedule is so tight. If you're a coach and you can rest guys, you will rest guys. So when you look at it that way. I'm not saying the U.S. absolutely will be Ghana, but they can be Ghana. I know the U.S. has lost to Ghana the last World Cups, but remember, folks, those were very, very close games. And this U.S. team is better than the U.S. teams that lost to Ghana. Yeah. Flat out better. Uh, can they beat Portugal? Yes, they can beat Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo playing some of the best soccer on earth in the world. But you know what? As a team, they've been inconsistent. As a team, they don't always get bring out the best of the group. So they're, they're, they're a vulnerable team. So if you can get your four points, your six points out of those two games, and then you go up against an argue, potentially a Germany C team, it's, it's there folks. It's there for the U S to, 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 for the taking. They, they still, Hey, they still have to play well. Exactly. But I mean, we beat Germany's B squad, so pff, we, we can beat their B squad again. Come on. Ives. Well, to be fair, that was Ger- the, the, <laughs> the Germany team they beat in BC was, you could argue was their C squad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but 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 that's the thing. I mean, regardless of 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 the group that the U.S. men's national team is drawn in, they're going to have to face someone tough, right? If if they let's just say they advance out of the group, they're going to have to face someone tough eventually in the knockout rounds. And if they get out of this group, Ivis, you know, if they win the group, oh my god, that'd be amazing. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think they can get second and move on. I mean, that has to give the guys a lot of confidence then going into the knockout rounds that they can look back and say, hey, we survived a group with Germany, Portugal, and Ghana. I mean, for me, I think this better suits the U.S. men's national team for a huge opportunity to prove that they deserve to be put on this level. It's a great opportunity for them if they can get out of the group. And then, you know what, if they get out of the group, they could potentially play Belgium, the same Belgium team that's, that, that beat, beat up the U.S. In, Mar- in May. It's a team they, they know, a team they faced. But I think it's there for the taking, and it's going to be fun to watch. And I'll and I tell you what, I can't wait. I can't wait to go to Brazil. Yeah, you're going, right? I'll be there. Are you putting me – you're going to hide me in your luggage. Is, is that what we're doing? Uh, well, I, I mean, you're small enough, but no, I don't think I can do it. What? I thought we, we, we agreed to that like the first night after drinks at Kansas City. I'm pretty sure we talked about that. You better hop on a boat from Arizona and find a way to get to Brazil. A boat? What are you talking about? I, I got to cross the desert in, the, in a stagecoach, man, with tumbleweeds everywhere and stuff like that. Well, that's what you do all the time anyway, so you do. I know. It was actually really windy yesterday. I'm driving to work. There was like – I must have passed 10 tumbleweeds, and I'm just like, oh, God, Arizona. <laughs> Come on, man! You got to Instagram that. What a tumbleweed while I'm driving? Come on, Iris, that's unsafe. I, I'm not familiar with tumbleweed, so you're an expert. Uh, I'll take your report. <laughs> uh, for for everyone hoping that the U.S. Uh, gets a favorable matchup on the knockout rounds, everyone just for Group H, vote, cheer for South Korea. South Korea to win the group. South Korea, so the U.S. will finish second. That's the ideal matchup, Ivis. Obviously, but I tell you what, Belgium's tough, man. Belgium's tough. Well, I was completely switching gears, dropping down a couple uh, leagues, divisions, skill level, whatever you have it. Uh, the College Cup happened this past weekend. Notre Dame, congratulations, won their first College Cup, beating 
uh, one of the rivals, Maryland, uh, who then defeated Virginia in the semifinals. Notre Dame defeated New Mexico. And uh, for Notre Dame, Ivis, uh, just thoughts on them and, and the talent that they have uh, coming out of their system and how they've been able to become quickly a, a very dominant team in, in the college ranks. Well, look, it's it's an interesting. It was an interesting uh, run for Notre Dame when you think about last year. You know, you you could argue that last year Notre Dame was the best team in the nation, and then obviously they got knocked off. They got upset by Indiana, who ended up going on to win it all. Uh, but all the credit to Coach Bobby Clark, one of the one of the best people in the game, one of the nicest guys uh, in the business. Uh, you know, for him to to able to to lose guys like uh, Dylan Powers, MLS Rookie of the Year. Ryan Finley, Gold Machine, who's at the Columbus Crew now, to lose those two players and still turn around and bring this team back and get them all the way to win the title, uh, you have to give them a lot of credit. Uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't an easy opponent in the final. Maryland, you know, obviously a stacked team there. Uh, and, and it was a good showcase. The tournament overall was a good showcase for some of the, the talent coming in, into MLS next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, there's not superstar power in the MLS draft this year in 2014. There's definitely quite a bit of, of useful talent that's going to make rosters all over the league. Uh, for you in in the College Cup, I mean, who who rose their stock? Who rose their game? Who are some guys that you kind of were, you know paid a little more attention to? Caught caught your eye? Uh, well, I mean, I think all the players that that you know, I mean, for me personally, I, mean, I follow the college game more than most, so that, there weren't really any surprises. Um, you know, all the like a lot of the star players really stepped up and did well. Uh, you know, Harrison Ship, obviously, you know, one of the top players in the country this year, Chicago Fire, homegrown player. He should be joining the fire next year. That's a huge addition for them. Uh, you know, someone like Patrick Hodan is, is someone who, who I think raised his stock in, in the tournament. He's not going to be in, in the draft this year, but he's someone people should keep an eye on. Remember that name. Uh, and Zach Steffen, who I've obviously talked about on the show before. I've said it repeatedly. The kids, the future of the goalkeeper position, he will start in the World Cup at some point in his life. I think he's that good, and I think some people saw why people rate him so highly. Uh, people saw that in this tournament. The kid, the kid is unbelievable potential. Uh, it's scary. It's scary how good he is and how good he can be. Uh, so that's a name to watch. And obviously, Patrick Mullins, he did great. He he did what you expect him to do. He he was the best player in the nation last year, and then he came back this year, and he's he's. He's continued to play at that high level. Uh, will it necessarily translate to the next level? That that remains to be seen. I know some people are, are kind of running with that success in, in, in the college ranks and think, oh, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. He's, he's like a can't-miss player. And I would I would always warn people, look, when you look at you, – you can't just look at overall production in the college game and, and expect that to transfer. If you'll ever notice, the players that, that – that, particularly attacking players – the attacking players that, that really make the smooth transition to the next level or who really make the impacts in the next level are guys who are, are, are supreme athletes who, like from a speed standpoint or from a really high technical level standpoint. And Mullins, I don't think he falls into either of those categories. You know, when you're talking about guys like Deshaun Brown, Darren Maddox, uh, you know, really fast forwards who can – who can get their own shots on the next level, or you know, highly a highly technical player? I, I don't think Mullins fits in there. That he should be a good pro. He should be a good pro, but I think folks should maybe temper their expectations for what he's going to do on the next level. And uh, soccer by Ivis.net will be ramping up the coverage. Tons to happen about that because everyone, don't forget, Ivis is the Mel Kuyper of the MLS draft. <laughs> well, I have been. I, I'd like to think I have been. I think some people agree, but you know, this year, this year's it's been a, this year's a tough year. I got to say, a tough year because uh, you know uh, there's not as much high end talent in the draft this year, but there's definitely, uh, I'd say, from a overall uh, quantity standpoint, of players who can make rosters, players who can contribute, and I'd say this is the year. I'll say it now. 2014 MLS draft is the year of the center back. There are a lot of center back prospects in this draft. A lot of center backs who I think will make rosters in 2014. So if your team needs a center back, this is a good year to have picks in this draft. And the uh, MLS player combine will be held in January. I also cover that. And as we said, there's, there's tons of other things to cover. Uh, well, Ivis, the marathon show of us having to recap as many things as possible over the last two weeks has finally come to a close. Yes, we are back, and uh, hopefully this is the, the first step towards a, a strong finish to the year. Uh, we will not make you wait two weeks for the next show. We will, we'll definitely get back on the horse and, and uh, you know try to have a show for Sunday, Sunday night for Monday, and uh, get back into our, our routine and, and, and get ready for show 100, which uh, 
you know, hopefully we're going to be able to try to make a little bit of a spectacle if we can. Obviously, it didn't work out having the party and having the episode 100 party and all that. You know, we had some high hopes and some grand plans. It didn't work out. Um, but you know what? I, I, I do want to say thank you to all of you who, who listened to the show and, and who, uh, the, the, if anything, these past two weeks without the show has is, is definitely helped both Garrett and I see just how much of an, an audience we picked up because we, mm. we've definitely heard we've definitely gotten the messages from from those of you who've been asking where the show is and 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 and, and wanting the show to come back and, and we appreciate that support and, and we're going to keep trying to to bring you a, a high quality show yeah and you and i had a chance to meet a lot of fans in uh, kansas city so for everyone i met if i uh, if i made an you know an ass out of myself i apologize but thank you for listening to the show it's nice meeting everyone he can't help himself folks that's <laughs> There, there was there was this really nice couple from from Salt Lake that I met, and I forget I honestly I, I forget what we talked about, but they were like the nicest people in the world. So if I did anything stupid around you guys, I apologize. He might have been hammered. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's not. I was on my best behavior all weekend, and you knew I was because you kept calling me out for that. Uh, I did. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. dude. I was there to work, man. I was there to network. I was there to uh, hustle. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. doing my thing. I'll get. I'll give Garrett credit. He was definitely working. Uh, working the. Uh, the networking game, uh, you know, at his first big MLS event. So. Yeah, all by myself. You know, I just took off the training wheels and said, "Go, Garrett, go get them." <laughs> right, right. So you know what? Hey, maybe maybe that'll maybe that'll work out for us. Uh, you know, we've got some potential for some some big things in the works. Yeah. Uh, you know, had some good conversations with people, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see we'll see what we do in 2014. Yeah. I think it's going to be a a good year for the SBI show. Yeah. Plus, I need to get out of Arizona, man. With my face and the hair that I have, ugh, it's going to waste in the desert out here, Ivis. Well. If you were if you were taller than five two, you'd probably be. Able to, you know, <laughs> I hate you so much. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Folks, he's not five two. He's at least five to six. Five, <laughs> I'm not even. I'm taller than five six. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, he's, five, he's at least five eight. Hey, at least. are you coming down to Arizona? You, I, I, everyone, start convincing Ivis to come down to AZ for MLS spring training. So, uh, so or preseason, whatever we're calling it. Only if I can crash, uh, crash at your place. Then you I'll should go. crash at my place. I live in a high rise in downtown. It's a, it's like a bachelor pad. It's a, a, uh, oh, I'm there then. I'm there. Yeah, it's not too up. bad. Megan, we'll, we'll do it up. The, uh, the, the girls like it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, enough about that, Ivis. Although, hopefully, we do a better job. If we, if we record the SBI show, hopefully, it works out better than the last time we tried to record it uh, <laughs> in, in person. Because it's funny. We've done this show now. We've done 98, 97 episodes. And all of them have been with us being 3,000 miles apart. And then we get in the same room and record the show. And then we completely botch it because it's just from the sound quality standpoint, it just didn't work out. Which the, it was a good show too. It was disappointing. I, you know what? I tell you what. I say we should no, put that show. No, I deleted it already. It's gone. Uh, see, I got see, rid of it. That would that would have been a classic. That no. would have been, like, <laughs> been like the lost tapes of like some band that could have been our like that episode that you know only the hardcore people will listen to. Well, I think see? the hardcore people listen to the show regardless. I mean, they're still listening to the show at this point. Well, I take right. that back. Half the people turn off the show because they know we're BSing at this point. Well, the rambling, yeah. Not everyone's a fan of the rambling. Well, I mean, this is why you need to break news at the end of the show because people also hate that when we ramble and talk more. Yeah, no, I gotta watch. <laughs> I gotta watch myself. If you want, if you want breaking news, you gotta go. You gotta go to either Gold dot com or SBI for your breaking news. Or to AZ Kicks it. You get breaking news there too. Yeah, for all your breaking news on on unfolding Arizona soccer teams. Oh, that's not true, baby. That's not true. Our USL Pro team is back for year number two, so I have a uh, professional team in Arizona to cover. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we'll see how long we, that we, lasts for. You officially covered all levels of soccer now. Of course, <laughs> I, I went on TV last night to uh, talk high school soccer. My hair, the suit, uh, I mean, well, it was I, impeccable. I draw the line. I draw the line. We're not talking high school soccer. I I will say this before we wrap up. I uh, I was able to go to Austin, Texas mm-hmm. this week. First time I'd ever been to Austin, Texas. Great city. Had a great time there. Amazing food. I tell you what, might be the best food city. Yeah, I saw that barbecue picture you put up. Oh, I got to tell you, Franklin barbecue, best barbecue I've ever had. Uh, my apologies to folks in KC. I love the KC barbecue. I love Jack Stacks with Oklahoma Joe's, but Franklin barbecue, best barbecue I've ever had. And you know what? I got a chance to meet the you know the fine folks from the Austin Aztecs, the uh, uh, the, the PDL team down there, and and there's some interesting things going on. And and, and I know. For those of you who heard the, the Commissioner Don Garber's State of the League address, you might have been a little surprised when he dropped Austin as a name of a potential team for MLS expansion. I know that definitely turned some heads. I can tell you what, folks, that's a great city, and it wouldn't be the worst place in the world to put an MLS team. So keep an eye out on that because, uh, you know what, there's a lot of money in Austin. There's some good soccer people in Austin, and you, you never know. And uh, now that I've been there, I can tell you, 
I, w- it, I would not mind at all going there for some road trips. Well, the uh, definitely competition for that third Texas team, Austin and San Antonio, another city, Ivis. Right. No, I mean, there's a few teams, obviously. There's the, you know, we, we all know Atlanta and Miami are, are kind of the front runners for the next two spots. And there's that one available 24th slot that no one seems to know. Is it going to be St. Louis? Is it going to be Minneapolis, San Antonio, Austin, uh, Phoenix? Yeah, uh, Phoenix, you know, Phoenix, <laughs> Phoenix. Yeah. No, no, seriously, that's not happening. <laughs> you died when I showed you that map that I made. Despite the graphic that Derek <laughs> concocted that, that completely – I know, I guarantee you, I know there are people who saw that thing and actually thought that that was real. You thought it was until I showed you it. Then you thought it was hilarious. Well, I, I didn't get a good look at it, but when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> when, when I, I – I sc- for people, I, I took a screenshot of that map, and then I loaded it into Microsoft Paint. Then I put, like, an X on Phoenix, and I wrote Phoenix. It, it looks like a three-year-old made it. It's, it's outstanding. Yeah, it was, it was not that good. Well, you know, oh, come on. I was doing it, it for... It was funny. I'll give it to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you told me that I wasn't funny in person, actually. So that kind of that kind of devastated me, actually. I, no, you know, I, told <laughs> you, folks, I had a great time with Garrett. I look forward to hanging out with him again. He is funnier on the show than he is in person. <laughs> you ca- I know. You kept saying that. I was like, I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> No, all right, I'm just kidding. I don't know. That was a, it. Was a good trip. All right, Ivis. Well, man, uh, that wraps up the show. Uh, it was good to uh, good to talk, man. It's been been, well, been almost two weeks since I heard your voice. Well, kind of not really, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awkward pause. Awkward yeah. pause. Uh, okay, yeah, close. <laughs> all right, Ivis. Well, man. Hey, uh, you enjoy the weekend. Uh, are we going to try to get a show up before Christmas? So, oh, we're doing a Sunday show. Sunday night for Monday. We're yes, doing we need to save everyone from their from family time by recording a show so they can get away and listen to the show and not have to hang out with their family. So that's our, that's our gift to everyone for Christmas. You know what? I tell you what, is this, is this episode 99? Uh, I think it is. Well, you know what? There you go. hundred, the episode 100 could be the Christmas spectacular. So there you go. It is. We were going to have to play. Oh my God. We could play, uh, some run DMC. Christmas and Hollis intro. Nice. Yeah. Look, yeah, see, look, look at me. I may be young Ivis, but, but I, I know, I know what well, I'm let's doing. See if we get the clearances on that song. Cause you know how that goes. Oh, that's true. That's true. But we got to get we got to get a guest for the uh, for the Christmas Hunter Show extravaganza. Well, no, we're getting we're gonna get we're gonna get a few. Uh, my 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 plan is to get a few guests. For yeah, we we need to get people to come on the show and tell us how great we are. That's what we should do. You know, <laughs> you we go. should get you know like Eddie Johnson to come on, and Eddie will be like, "Oh man, the SBS show's the best. Merry Christmas, Garrett and Ivis." You know, then we get someone else. I, you know, I don't think it, I don't think he would sound like that. Well, he, okay, uh, well, what do you want from me? Yeah, I think it'd be a little more like. Uh, this is Eddie Johnson here. Put swagger in the house, and this is SBI show. <laughs> so yeah, when are we going to start doing impressions again? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah we, we, need, that. we need to work we'll, on that. 2014, we will start doing some impressions. Yeah, if people ask, you know what we'll do? We'll do it in the SBI. If someone says like, you know, answer this question in, you know, Andre's voice or Beckerman's voice or, or Donovan's <laughs> or Donovan's or Donovan's Jermaine Jones voice. You have to have a distinctive voice because like not everyone, not everyone has like a distinctive voice that you can. You can make impressions. That is true. That is true. And not, right. everyone, know, and not everyone knows everyone's voices because, you know what? The, if anything, and I'll say it, I've said it before. MLS needs a little bit more personality from its players, so people can actually recognize these 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 voices. Very, very. Uh, I I concur, Ivis. There you go. <laughs> All right, man. You have a good weekend. I'll touch base with you on Sunday, man. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. As always, everyone, thank you for listening. We apologize about the two-week break, but as Ivis said, we are back. Thank you for listening. This is the SBS Show.